Chapter 28. By 8 a.m., the Detective Bureau was a hive of activity. The entire special team had arrived, all with the same idea. Each tiny desk was littered with white styrofoam cups, brimming with steaming black liquids in multicolored rectangular boxes of donuts. The men and women were pumped. Ray's belief that a break would come from the publicity was infectious. He purposely allowed them to mingle without purpose until the meeting. They were hyping each other. No matter what happened, today would be a good work day. Grandisha remained seated in his office. He didn't mix. The dark wooden desk was piled with information from the two massacres. His balding head barely hovered over the stacks. The stoop didn't help. He looked busy, but was doing nothing, waiting for time to pass until the meeting started. The plan had been reviewed in his mind over and over again. They would start from the beginning, go over every printed word a fifth or sixth time with an eye toward young men and teens. The break had to come. At approximately 8.30, Ray sauntered into the bureau, centered himself amongst Long Johns, Danishes, and Bismarcks. The meeting was easy. Everyone wanted to listen. Everyone wanted to work. The constantly ringing phones didn't disrupt. Calls were answered without an interruption of attention. Two of the men transferred the files from Ray's desk to Ray's side. He passed them out to the group with specific instructions. Each team had a separate road to travel, but all roads would meet at the same place. Not a lot of questions were asked. Every person was required to man the phones in addition to everything else. The phones had been ringing since 7.30. Kooks, revenge seekers, little old ladies with too much time on their hands, and do-gooders trying to help. Some with the right mix of suspects, setting, and description. Each member of the team was experienced enough to separate the wheat from the chaff. Grandisha wanted the wheat brought to him immediately, even if it was the end of the day. The call came at 9.15. A female detective sitting one desk over from Margie was the lucky one. The caller was a person with a Spanish accent. Male. Wouldn't leave a name. Claimed to be a student at the high school. Knew a student by the name of Ricardo Morales. Had heard him say Marie Cohn during the last couple of years. Always said it in an angry way. His best friend was Richard Sparn. The last couple of months, they had been acting like Al Capone and John Gotti. End of conversation. Call traced to a public payphone. The female detective hung up the phone, stood, and yelled, I got one! Like a greedy stockbroker. She had been writing on a notepad and waved the paper sheet in the air. The bureau quieted and watched her triumphant march to Grandisha's office. Through the windows of the office, the messenger sat across from Ray and handed him the white note. She spoke unheard words, gesturing in rhythmic time. Grandisha studied the paper, then her, then the paper again. He appeared stern, contemplative, Buddha-like. His lips moved. The facial expression suggested a question. The detective nodded her head yes, emphatically. A wide, 
beaming smile enveloped the lieutenant's face. The audience cheered. Things developed rapidly. Grandisha assigned two detectives to track down all the information available from the computer room. He gave them five minutes. Another detective was placed in charge of copying all data concerning the two for distribution to everyone. Calls were made to families advising their loved ones to eat dinner when it was ready and not to wait up. The computer people returned quickly with addresses, driver's license photos, and family member information. No rap sheets on either kid. Morales showed up as having a paternity case pending. An attorney by the name of Regis Kahane was representing him. Ray chanced a wild gamble. He loudly announced both names and addresses, then asked, Is anyone familiar with the Morales address? His eyes were lazing holes in Margie Grenk. She responded in a split second. I've handled a complaint there. Wasn't much, but I've been in the neighborhood. Is it police friendly? Will they talk to us? Another split second response. Cops are not welcome. Ray asked the same question about the Sparns. He looked away from Margie. A different detective said it was an older, quiet neighborhood. People would talk, help if they could. Grandisha pushed. Will they let us in their house? Let us look around without warrants. Answer questions about their kid. The other detective nodded his head. I think so. Grandisha assigned four detectives to Ricardo's neighborhood, just to watch. He told them to be unobtrusive. He returned his attention to Margie. You come with me. We're going to see if the Sparns will let us in. I need you to turn on your famous charm. The balance of the team was to stay in the Bureau unless desperately needed. They were to be available on a second's notice. If not needed in the field, they were to program both names against the accumulated information and witnesses. Margie and Ray rode together to the Sparns. She had to ask, I assume I gave the right answers? 100% correct, but we still don't have any evidence. My gut tells me we can get it from the Sparns. We'll see. They slowly approached the house. Margie said, Fuck, the car is gone. Ray pulled in the driveway and parked. He looked at Margie and said, You ready? Showtime. You're listening to Many Cones by Steve Listino. 